Get ready to rumble. Chilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Dr. Miriam Grossman, board-certified psychiatrist with a subspecialty in child and adolescent psychiatry, a fellow at Do No Harm, and author of Lost in Transnation, a child psychiatrist's guide out of the madness. Dr. Miriam Grossman, thank you for joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Hi, Rob. It's great to be here with you. Thanks for having me on. Before we jump into the subject, I do think it's important to know a little bit about Do No Harm. A lot of us recognize the phrase, but tell us about the organization and your work there. Oh, Do No Harm is a great organization that was founded by physicians for the purpose of fighting identity politics in our profession. This is a real issue these days. Our medical education and training has been affected in a very big way by identity politics. This is a great organization. It's involved in litigation, protecting minors from gender ideology. That's where I came, come from. They want to make sure that U.S. medical schools offer scholarships and programs that do not illegally discriminate based on sex, gender identity, race, et cetera, et cetera. They have filed more than 100 federal civil rights complaints to challenge. That's only one thing that Do No Harm is doing. Anyone can join. It's donoharmmedicine.org. How did politics get so entwined into medicine? I know politics gets into everything, but it seems to me that the medical field for a long time was able to at least rise above that. Well, you know, with gender ideology, you're right. It, it really has become a crusade that has successfully taken over many of our medical organizations. And I write about this at length in my book, Lost in Transnation. What happened, Rob, is that small groups of activists, people with agendas took over the committees that are charged with the responsibility of making policies for the organization. You know, this is in general how policies are made by medical groups. People volunteer, doctors volunteer to be part of the work group or the committee that's going to look into a particular issue and make suggestions for policy, and then that document that's written would be reviewed by the board of directors and then either accepted or not accepted. So one thing that's so important for parents to understand, for example, is that the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is a huge 
you know, this is the flagship organization for pediatricians in this country. They claim to have 67,000 members. When you take your child to the pediatrician, doctors are busy. So doctors are going to, in general, depend on the guidance that's issued by their professional organization. So your pediatrician, for example, whether she or he is a member or not, is going in general to, to follow the guidelines of the, of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The thing is, the, the American Academy of Pediatrics has been taken over by, I'm going to say, gender zealots. I'm not exaggerating. I have, I promise you, very good reason for using a term like that. And so the American Academy of Pediatrics, their guidelines are hook, line, and sinker, what's called gender-affirming care. Gender-affirming care means that we are all, all clinicians are called on to rubber stamp the self-diagnosis of even the youngest child. And even a child or adolescent with significant mental health issues. We're told that the child knows best and that we are to put the child in the driver's seat if the child wants to change their appearance so that it is more like the opposite sex, change their name, pronouns, and at some point take medication to block puberty. Puberty is a natural, necessary, biological process that every person needs to go through in order to become an adult. But in any case, you asked me a question about politics in medicine, and this is how it happened. People who object within the organization, pediatricians, have not been permitted to speak up. Their opinions have been squashed. They have suggested, again, I talk about this in my book. I give the names of pediatricians that I've interviewed. They have tried to have debates within the organization. They've tried to have panel discussions on this subject of gender-affirming care at their annual meetings for years now. They have not been permitted to do so. It's interesting that you mentioned this group, and I noticed that there is another group that sprung up in parallel, uh, American College of Pediatricians, which probably holds a more traditional view, but are we going into a, a dual system where we have to have one organization representing the fringe and another one representing what used to be traditional medicine in any field of medicine? Well, unfortunately, it seems that we're, we are moving in that direction. The American College of Pediatricians, as you mentioned, yes, does have more science-based views on this subject and evidence-based views. We have no evidence that gender-affirming care in the long run is going to help these kids. We do have evidence of harm. I mean, these kids are being sterilized by these treatments. You need to understand in your audience also that these are not benign, reversible treatments. Nearly every child that goes on puberty blockers is going to continue on to cross-sex hormones like estrogen and testosterone, and they will be unable to have biological children in many cases. 
And this process is starting at the very first sign of puberty. And some kids are going into puberty beginning at, you know, nine, 10 years old. To do this to children who cannot give informed consent and cannot fathom what they're giving up, the options that they're giving up in their futures. I mean, we have many people these days that are well into their 30s when they realize, hey, you know, I think I would like to have biological children. So this is a very big deal. And parents have to be aware, again, when you take your child to the pediatrician, that that pediatrician may be simply misinformed if they are following the guidelines of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The term gender-affirming care makes my skin crawl. Is that a valid name? Well, it's an Orwellian term because what you're affirming is the child's incorrect and even delusional sometimes beliefs about themselves, believing that they're born in the wrong body, believing that they need to take pharmaceuticals and have surgeries in order to bring their bodies into what they say, quote unquote, alignment with their minds. Yeah, gender affirming care is a very Orwellian term. But unfortunately, in this country, in many countries, not so. In many, many countries have turned uh, and pivoted away from medicalizing youth. Sweden, Norway, Finland, and other countries, after looking at the evidence, have decided that there's just, there, there is insufficient evidence for these invasive procedures and medications. But here in the U.S. and in Canada, we are more and more becoming outliers. And we are providing these interventions to youth after one visit. I mean, kids can walk into some Planned Parenthoods and get these hormones in 30 minutes. It's very disturbing to hear that. I wasn't aware that the immediacy was was like that. What do the studies tell us about, first of all, safety of these procedures and of these these diagnoses when they treat them with drugs? In my book, I I devote a number of chapters to the dangers of of blockers, puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and of course, surgeries. The surgeries, which are, again, Orwellian term or a very flippant euphemism to say top surgery and bottom surgery as if it was not something utterly deforming and sterilizing and with very severe lifelong consequences. So, you know, the quote unquote top surgeries are the mastectomies that are being done to girls and the quote unquote bottom surgeries are surgeries on one's genitals and the details are rather lurid of what's Mm -hmm. done there. The dangers, Rob, uh, there's a long, long list. First of all, like I said earlier, start with puberty. Puberty is a developmental process that's needed in order to become an adult. It's not only a process that affects the secondary sex characteristics such as growing facial hair or you know your voice lowering in the case of boys growing breasts redistribution of fat 
It's much more than that. Puberty is a process that affects every system in the body. Let's start with the skeleton, the bones. Kids need to go through puberty in order to develop strong bones, in order for the bones to increase in their density, to develop bones that are resistant to fractures. We know that one of the main adverse effects of puberty blockers is on the bones. And in fact, there are lawsuits now brought by individuals and their parents for having been placed on puberty blockers and developing osteopenia or even osteoporosis, which are conditions that are usually seen in elderly women, as you probably know. Yes. And as your audience knows, and it's a condition, a dangerous condition in which the bones are brittle and they break easily because the density has decreased. That's just one of a number of adverse effects. Now, many of these adverse effects we may not even be aware of yet because we've never given puberty blockers to physically healthy kids. All these kids are physically healthy. Okay, their bodies are healthy, their brains are healthy, their reproductive systems are healthy, their hormones are healthy. And we are stepping in because of their expressed feelings of discomfort with their bodies. We're stepping in and we are, you know, undertaking these major experiments with their bodies, which include, of course, their brains. So whenever we give blockers or cross-sex hormones to kids, it's affecting their brains as well. You need to go through puberty in order to develop a mature brain. And that process doesn't end. We know this. It doesn't really end until the mid-20s. So we're stepping in and giving blockers to kids who might be 9, 10, 11 years old and we're not allowing their brains an opportunity to develop into adult brains with, you know, the brain of a 25-year-old is very different than the brain even of a 15-year-old. Okay, anyone who has teenagers at home or who raised their kids already know that kids are, teenagers are impulsive. They don't think through their the consequences of their decisions. They don't think through their options. If it feels good, do it. If they have an impulse to say something, to do something, especially something that's pleasurable, like drugs and sex and speeding while they're driving. This is why, by the way, driver's insurance is so high for adolescents because they're impulsive and they do things based on how they feel. And they need to go through normal adolescence and the exposure of, you know, high levels of either estrogen and testosterone for their brains to develop and for them to get to the point where that part of their brain called the prefrontal cortex matures and they begin to think and make decisions as an adult more carefully, more thoughtfully considering the consequence. And we're blocking that process for kids. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast continues in a moment with our guest, Dr. Miriam Grossman. Online at SchillingShow.com. 
Shillingshowmedia.com is your one-stop shop for websites, audio and video production, and photography. Shillingshowmedia.com will take your project from conception to completion. Shillingshowmedia.com is reasonably priced and highly professional. Need a website for your business? Visit Shillingshowmedia.com. Need a video created or edited? Visit Shillingshowmedia.com. Have a photography or graphic design project? Visit Shillingshowmedia.com. Shillingshowmedia.com is your one-stop shop for websites, audio and video production, and photography. Visit Shillingshowmedia.com. That's Shillingshowmedia.com. Looking out for us. Rob Shrub. We continue now on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Our guest is Dr. Miriam Grossman. The book is Lost in Transnation. You know, you're describing these ghastly surgeries and treatments. Is there informed consent? In other words, are they having to present all of this information and more that you've just shared with me uh, before performing these things? And are they signing waivers in case something goes wrong? I mean, this just seems outrageous to me. Well, it is outrageous, and therefore the lawsuits, and therefore organizations like Do No Harm Medicine and other organizations, the issue of informed consent is an interesting one. Many parents are saying that they were not informed of the possible risks of puberty blockers, that instead they were told that the, the effects are completely reversible, that this is simply a pause button. You know, like if you're listening to music on your device and you simply press pause and then in a few minutes you press play. And this is not the case whatsoever. So parents are saying that they were misled. Now, the actual documentation of what it says in these documents for the parents to sign, I have not studied those. That's going to be going through the courts. Doctors, like I said, are being sued. And you know what, Rob, even the American Academy of Pediatrics is being sued wow. by a what we call a detransitioner, a young person who went through gender affirming care, you know, was given testosterone, a young woman given testosterone and had her breasts removed and now regrets it, is living as a woman and is suing the doctors that did this to her, that misled her into thinking that these so-called treatments would help her mental health conditions. Because, Rob, a majority of these individuals, these young people, have mental health issues. You know, they've been traumatized. They may have been sexually abused. They have, they're on the autism spectrum. They may have depression and anxiety. And the problem is that they're led to believe that if they change their bodies, their mental health issues will be cured. And then a few years later, they realize that their mental health issues have not been cured and they have been left with all these medical problems with bodies that are now disfigured, unable to nurse, unable to, well, I should say first, unable to have biological children, but when they are able to have biological children, unable to nurse. You know, Rob, I want to tell your audience about, this is very, very moving. People who are on X, on Twitter, 
can go and should go look at the at uh, Daisy. Her name is Daisy Strongen. Daisy S T R O N G I N. She's a remarkable young woman who was on testosterone, had her breasts removed, and then regretted it, went back to living as a woman, got married, and she just had her second child. She gave birth about two weeks ago, and she posted a photo of herself after her, her daughter was born, feeding her daughter She's right there in the hospital bed, okay? She still has the IV in her arm. And she's giving her daughter her first feeding with a bottle. And Daisy is weeping, weeping, because she's mourning the fact that she cannot nurse her baby. And she's saying to her audience, this, it was seen by 4 million people, this photo. And she's saying to the young women in the world, don't do this. Don't do this to yourself. Look at me. I can't nurse my baby. Nursing is the gold standard of nutrition for your baby. You want to be able to do this. You want to be able to bond with your child through nursing. It's such a powerful message and such a powerful image. You asked me about informed consent. Well, obviously, the children cannot provide informed consent. A lot of what's happening with their parents is that they're being threatened by these professionals. If you don't give this gender, so-called gender-affirming treatment to your children, there's a good chance they'll commit suicide. Yes. And this is a whole other area uh, that needs to be discussed. And I have an entire chapter on it in my book. By the way, my book also is on audio. I did the narration of the book and people just love it. So you don't have to sit down with a 300 page book. Um, you can listen to it while you're going about your day. The suicide card. This is the worst kind of emotional blackmail for parents. Yes. These kids do have a higher rate of suicide. Thank God it is very low, but it is essentially the same rate of suicide as other kids with mental health issues. So the transgender element does not significantly increase the suicide rate in these kids, which is, like I said, thank God, very, very low. But more importantly, Rob, is that there's no evidence that going through these medical treatments decreases the risk of suicide. So the threat so many parents have been told and parents who have come to me in my office are told, have been told transition or death. Do you want a dead daughter or a live son? Mm. I, I have no words. It's a terrible, t parents will do anything to save the lives of their kids. Of course, they're going to sign on the dotted line if they feel they have no other choice, but they do have another choice. And that is psychotherapy for the child, help for the family, and figuring out why it is that this child is running from who they are. You know, why is your daughter trying to escape her femininity? Why is your son running to 
appear and, and develop a female persona. What is it all about? Why do they think their lives will be improved? And to look into that and take a deep, deep dive into the child's life and figure that out. That's what needs to happen and support their child who has this loathing of their body. Support them with psychotherapy and support the family. It can be done. It's being done all the time. And these kids can get through it and they have to get into their adult years to determine whether they want to make these life-changing decisions. This is the biggest decision that an individual can make in their lives, you know, to have medical interventions that will change their bodies permanently so that they appear more as the opposite sex. This is the biggest decision that a person can make, not a decision for a 10 or 15 year old. Dr. Miriam Grossman, what signs of hope do you see in this area looking forward? Oh, there's a lot of hope. I'm much more hopeful than I was a year ago, certainly a few years ago. I've been involved in this area for many, many years. I, I wrote about it 15 years ago, warning parents. I see hope because I, th- I see things turning around. I see the detransitioners every day. There's more of them standing up courageously, telling their stories, going you know, on the media and speaking. I see parents speaking up, organizations of parents that are courageously getting out there. For example, in California, there's now, these are, these are grassroots organizations. And there's an organization, and what they are doing is for the election that's coming up in November, they're gathering signatures. The website is Protect Kids California, and they have a statewide ballot initiative that will require parental notification from schools if the kids request a different name and pronouns. It will protect girls in sports, and it will prevent child sterilization with so-called gender-affirming care. So, And this is happening in many states, as you probably know. I think we have now 21 or 22 states that have, that have successfully passed legislation that will uh, prevent, you know, the medicalization of these kids. We have a great many documentaries that have been made. I mean, number one, you know, What is a Woman, which I was honored to appear in, Matt Walsh's yes. documentary from about a year and a half ago, What is a Woman, but other documentaries as well by a great many organizations that are pushing back against this. Uh, you know, I'm certainly hopeful. Um, you know, my book is selling very well. The response is fantastic. I've, I've been able to testify in Congress. A lot of our elected representatives are waking up and seeing the dangers. I am hopeful. The only thing is that the body count is going to be high. The body count is high. The victims of this ideology. That's the sad part of all of this. Dr. Miriam Grossman, if people would like to get a copy of your book, Lost in Transnation, or if they'd like to follow your work online, would you tell us how, please? Sure. I mean, the best way is my website, miriamgrossmanmd.com. And you'll see right there on the landing page, a link to Amazon to, to get the book. 
And the reason I'm not suggesting people go directly to Amazon is, number one, there are some scams, people trying to get people to buy the wrong book. So there are books that look like mine, but they are not mine. So I want people to not waste their money on those. If you go to my website and go to Amazon through my website, you'll get to the correct book. And also on my website is just a lot, a lot of great stuff, interviews, excerpts from documentaries and all kinds of stuff that I've written that can be helpful for parents. I have a resource page with many, many resources that parents can make use of, support groups, all sorts of information, documents that they can use, just too many things to list. So that's Miriam Grossman md.com. Dr. Miriam Grossman, you're helping a lot of people and we appreciate you so much. Thanks for joining us today on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That concludes another edition of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.